What up, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos. Thank you for tuning in. We have two announcements for y'all before we get the show going. First, I want to congratulate today's guest, Emily Saladino, on her new role as Associate Managing Editor for Digital at Wine Enthusiast. During this interview, you'll hear us talk a little bit about her previous role as Editor-in-Chief at VinePair. And the second announcement is make sure that you like, rate, and subscribe on this podcast, man. We need to hear from y'all. Shoot us an email, hit us up on the gram. However you communicate, holla at us. Enjoy the show. Wine and hip hop, wine and music. Tell me up, bro. Know what it is. Check this out. Oh, yeah. You'll be the life of the party. Wine and hip hop really mirrors the, the conversations that we have in my office about wine and music. What's up, y'all? It's your man, Jermaine Showtime Stone, a.k.a. The Wolf of Wine, a.k.a. The Zara Vibes, a.k.a. Young Thanos, eating some Popeye's chicken and, <laughs> and hanging out with Emily Saladino. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Emily is the queen of Vine Pair, if you guys needed to know. <laughs> I love that. I want that on my business card. I feel yeah. like you should just change the title to the Queen of Ampere. Yeah. Like, yeah. they get it after that. We don't got to. I'll know. take it up with legal after that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? Thank you for coming out. Good. Thank you. All no, the way I'm out to, to Brooklyn. Be here. Yeah. You know? So, today, Emily brought the rhymes and I brought the wine. So I picked Auditorium, um, which is a Most Deaf, or the artist formerly known as Most Deaf song. <laughs> How I do you love. pronounce his name now? Yasin. Yasin Bey. Yasin Bey. We also got my man Jerome in the house, y'all. Jerome was actually very influential in the development of this idea. So, you know, he's always here even when he's not here. But he's in the building today, ladies and gentlemen. Let's hear for Jerome. Thank you, man. Thank you. Operating. And he's multi-talented. Operating the calendar. The the the, the uh, camera as well as the boards here. So thank you for that. You're um, but first, we gotta introduce the people to you. Uh, I'd like to figure out who your rap spirit animal is. Ooh. Yes. So if uh, if you could pick a rapper that embodied your style, your your soul, your spirit, who would that be? I think mine's a bit aspirational, mm. um, <laughs> but be. I think Missy Elliott. Ah, oh, yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, I think on Missy Elliott's worst day, I, I would hope to be <laughs> my best self. Um, but no, I, I love Missy Elliott because I think she's she's a real creative person. Um, she has a lot of vision. She's not. She can be the star. She could not be the star. I think she's a really cool person in hip hop. Um, and kind of just in, in music at large. Um, so, yeah, that's who I would, again, that's an aspirational thing. Oh, you know, listen, it's like listen. people are like, who is your celebrity lookalike? And you're like, Penelope Cruz. Duh. Are you blind? Like, what's going on? <laughs> well, you know Idris Elba when he walks in the room now, don't you? Come on. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> nah, I feel you. I do. I do. And um, all right. Uh, I like that. because I, So we were kind of talking about this before. I was a huge, still am. Big Missy Elliott fan, the Super Friends, the whole thing, you know, when, um, what was Missy's first album? The Super um, Duper Fly. Super yeah. Duper Fly. The uh, video when she had on, like, the, the trash bag. Yes, yes. <laughs> Filled like, with air. It was just, I mean, you, you at that point, you'd never seen anything like that. Even the beat, everything. It was just so yeah, nuts. Yeah. Love, love that pick. You got a, a favorite Missy song? My gosh, it's actually really hard to pick one. I love that record. Um, I like the rain. Mm. I actually think that's a really cool, like where she samples. I can't stand the rain. Yeah. I think that's a really cool song. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I guess that would be my pick. It's hard to say just one. Yeah. But I actually think um, like the sort of post millennial. What I like about her is all of her production too. Like all of the Aaliyah records were so yeah. cool. Um, yeah, that like self titled Aaliyah album is for me still like one of my favorite all time albums. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, no, she has she she spreads the wings so wide. Even the stuff she did with Tweet mm-hmm. and like <clears throat> on that. Um, on that Super Duper Fly album, what song was that? Uh, and they sampled a Michael Jackson. It was a Jackson Fabric. The song with the brat. Sock oh, it to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's one of the best 
instrumentals ever created. Yes. Timbaland is, is special. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Timbaland is special. Um, so we're going to pop this. We're going to crack a toast in a second here. Um, and we did not spill anything. I like that it did not spill over, but it kind of, it gave you that fear. Like celebratory. You yeah. know, it, it gave you that fear. It could have came out, it was, you know, a little bit came out. But it didn't, it wasn't a mess. Yeah, like a touch of danger. <laughs> touch of danger, you know? Perfect, perfect. All right, so this is good. We got to toast it up. We have an amazing journalist in the building. Like, I feel like you're kind of setting the world on fire right now. I've been seeing a certain article get around. <laughs> it's been getting around, yeah, you do know? Do you have a favorite Vine Pair article by any chance? There was this one <laughs> where they talked about the crossover between wine and hip-hop. <laughs> but thank you for, for featuring me in that. That was, I really think, <clears throat> life-changer for me. I've never had anything like that. And bunch of people reached out after and you know just to kind of see the idea so well received and embraced and hearing people say hey I feel like that too and thank you for speaking up about this what made you feel like this was a story that needed to be told well it's interesting I think that there's so many stories in food and beverage that have not yet been told that's what I think like the most exciting part of my job is um, you know in media it can get I don't want to say echo chamber, <laughs> but there can be a very cyclical nature to the food and beverage trends that get covered. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, with who's on staff and who's deciding, you know, what does and doesn't merit um, reporting and what does and doesn't sound like something people will read. I, as I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast knows, media is a tough business <laughs> these yeah, days. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> you know, publications are, are, a lot of publications are, are really trying to figure out digital publishing. Um, and so there can be this tendency to, I don't know, like chase your tail a bit and only publish the same things because you know that those do well. Um, and one of the things I like about um, working at VinePair is the ability to pursue stories that not everyone is already covering. Um, and so for me, I thought it was super interesting. I had actually seen you speak on a panel um, that Yannick Benjamin had organized um, about like diversity and inclusion in the drinks world. I think it was wine specifically, actually, mm -hmm. in, in wine. Um, and I thought it was interesting that no one has addressed this when there is this long laundry list of <laughs> wine and hip-hop, like, you know, huge, huge, huge um, backstory of hip-hop artists embracing wine and, and, like, where was that reciprocity? Um, and so that I just thought was a super interesting angle. And I think that Crew Love is kind of hitting it, right? Like, yeah, exactly there. Definitely. No, what <clears throat> that's the goal, you know, to, to blend wine and hip-hop on high levels in a way that's respected. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about how um, how hip hop was introduced to the world through uh, Sugar Hill Gang. And don't get me wrong, I love the song. Like it's a dope record. It, um, one of my favorite songs of all time, hands down. But <clears throat> is that truly definitive of what hip hop is, of what hip hop culture is? You know, the, a lot of people that were doing it at, the, at that time didn't feel that way. And mm -hmm. it's a similar story, right? Like right now, people, it was a digestible version of what was happening in the basements in the Bronx. Totally. You know, so not, everything's not for everyone. And sometimes you have to dilute the concentrate a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> remember back, you remember concentrate? Orange juice, like it, yeah. the frozen, it came in the can, and then you had to pour water in it. Totally. So yeah. hip hop in the basement was that, <laughs> <laughs> and they needed to put some water in and dilute it a yeah. little bit, and you know, but that's what happened. So I just felt like, you know, I like to concentrate. I want people to understand what it really is, and I mean, look, I can't count how many times I had Popeyes chicken with. <laughs> champagne and some of my favorite co-workers so yeah, yeah. you know <laughs> this is just what it actually is we're just trying to bring people to to the basements that uh hip-hop was created by the way happy birthday uh happy 43rd birthday to hip-hop it turned 43 Ooh, yesterday wow. august 11th uh was the first documented party that uh hip-hop happened at so shout to that. Um, but Vinepair is um, is interesting because it started off as a digital mag magazine and now is a print magazine. Yeah. So what what has that been like? 
Well, it's funny, right? It's like the opposite trajectory of most of media. <laughs> right. Um, right. So basically, yeah, about five years ago, um, two folks started VinePair and um, created this big digital publication. And then last year, or this year, forgive me, um, we decided to launch a print magazine, basically to explore certain stories that we thought merited and you know create this physical manifestation. Um, there's a lot about digital publishing that I love. I kind of love that you can read analytics. This yeah. is a bit like, this might be a bit like inside baseball for <laughs> um, someone <laughs> no, who doesn't live and breathe in um, <laughs> digital publishing. But yeah, you know, you can see like specifically what people are reading and for mm. how long. It's a kind of bizarre thing. And so I, I like a lot of that. I, I have a long background in tech. Um, but what's cool about print is it feels less ephemeral, even though it's not, right? Yeah. Like even though you can easily lose a magazine, but the yeah. internet kind of lives forever. Um, <laughs> right. It just, it feels, you know, it, it feels really cool to like physically see this thing. And so mm -hmm. that was for us as a as a creative enterprise to, to you know, commission art specifically for print, to commission stories specifically for print that we thought it's kind of like, manifested the vision yeah. um, in this physical product it was just it was a cool it was a cool thing to do um, so now we're doing it twice this year and it'll be quarterly from here on out very dope right I was blown away by the magazine and I'm not just saying that because like I feel like people put magazines out you know but that was really a piece of art you know the texture of the, the paper the photos um, the way that the information was being delivered it was almost like, I don't know, it felt like a book. It didn't feel like a magazine. It felt like a useful book. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Like a good coffee table book yeah, that, yeah. you know, it, it just, I thought it was done well. And, yeah, again, it didn't feel like you guys were just doing it to do something. It felt like you wanted to give people something, a part of, you know, it's like you mentioned, like it was very creative. It was a creative approach to um, to, to magazines. Oh, thank but, you. And how is that? How's the, the reception been? So far, so good. I mean, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so far, so good. Um, what I, what's important to me, you know, as as an editor, um, and what I, I hope to accomplish with this magazine, um, with everything we publish, but particularly with the print magazine, is um, making this world accessible is super important to me. I think wine in particular, of all of food and beverage, I think wine can, it can really intimidate people. Um, it can feel exclusive. To a certain degree, it is, right? right? Like, it's pricey. Um, but it doesn't have to be super, right. you know, you, it can also be accessible. And so for, for me, that's a lot of what I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm hoping we're able to accomplish with it. I see that happening. Like, you guys know how to grab the millennials. Like like that. It, yeah, it's like yeah. you are talking direct, <laughs> you know, to the to the to the '80s baby. Yeah, yeah, no, you know? definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but you, um, and you started as a chef, though, right? Like, how did you make that transition into journalism? Yeah, I uh, my first jobs in New York, I worked in in book publishing and cookbooks, and I always kind of knew I wanted to do something um, with food and beverage, um, and I always kind of wanted to be a writer. Um, but first, I went to culinary school. I worked in restaurants. Um, I worked as a recipe developer, and for me, a lot of that was it just gives you like what's that military expert? boots on the ground? It gives you like boots on the ground <laughs> right, experience. Right. Um, you know, it, it gave me a, a sort of more holistic um, perspective of the business. Um, but I always, as I said, I always kind of wanted to be a writer. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know that we all fancy ourselves able to do the, the <laughs> like, cool job we hope to do. Right? right? I mean, look, I assume that I'll be playing power forward for the Bulls right now, but it just didn't work out. Right? Yeah. The <laughs> twisting, turning nature of our lives. I know. Yeah, no. So I, I don't know. I, I think there are definitely some people who I envy who imagine themselves into a role and they just will it into existence um, but I always kind of felt like I needed to to work a lot of different steps to get there and I don't regret it um, I am very grateful to have worked in kitchens it gives you a really good work ethic actually speaking Absolutely. of military it gives you like a military like discipline For real. <laughs> the restaurant industry is very humbling it certainly it is. is very humbling yes. <laughs> yeah. no definitely and you know I, I bartended for years and I worked back of house front of house and and it's all extraordinarily difficult work. Um, I think it's like, 
it's the most transferable skill set in the world. I don't know if too many jobs where like knowing how to multitask, how to be polite when you don't want to be polite. <laughs> like those are great like life skills. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. You could you could certainly run entire countries just just know how to do that. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, exactly. Well, how do you so I'm curious though, how do you write a recipe? Like what what's that process like? Well, it depends, I guess, on the germ of the idea. Like, is it coming just from your brain? Like, you're like, I've got, I really want to make a certain type of, of chicken. We're eating chicken. So, like, I want to make a certain <laughs> type of chicken. Um, I want to use certain spices or certain ingredients. Um, or a lot of what I've done is work with chefs to kind of make their recipes, which require a staff in a professional kitchen, make those accessible to home cooks. Um, and so that might be instead of using six pots and pans you use one um you know finding affordable or like more widely available ingredients um not every home cook has like a sous vide machine at home um yeah, a lot more do right now so i would have been screwed <laughs> yeah. right i know it's, it's always on the day you need it you know exactly <laughs> look you know what, what are you gonna do right yeah. hate you hate to see it you hate to see you it you hate to yeah. see it <laughs> yeah, so that's a lot of what I did, but there definitely are also times when, yeah, like maybe you just maybe you just have a surplus of pomegranates or like a seasonal ingredient, um, squash blossoms or something that are around for a really short amount of time. So maybe you just want to play with that ingredient. Right. Um, and so you would look at like ways they have been used, look at ways you might like to use them. A lot of it's really scientific, like thinking about like the. If it's a plant, like the family it belongs to, right? You know what I mean? Like I, I like I remember when I learned that watermelons and cucumbers are both melons, and I was like, game change, Damn. right? All right. Well, <laughs> the light just went on because hello, <laughs> just right. learned that. Yeah. Damn, so like, if you think crazy. about it, like there's all sorts of ways to use them, not necessarily interchangeably, but like in tandem. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like wine, right? Like you think about where things come from. And that's like that was for me a lot of the transition into beverage was because I had this culinary background. It I actually find it really cool to get into a new area that has all of this crossover where like if you think about like okay, it's an old world vine that's been planted in like new world soil. What kind of soil? Like you're kind of mm -hmm. thinking about it scientifically um and how you can like interpret that and there's all sorts of ways to do it and you know as you said there's no wrong answers there's kind of sometimes wrong answers <laughs> <laughs> there's more right answers <laughs> don't put too much salt yeah, yeah. <laughs> you over salt a dish you just want to punch somebody like when you drink it when you eat a dish that's too salty it's just like come on man it, you know there's nothing you can do with that there's there's no saving it there's no sugar that's going to balance it out mm -hmm. it's just done yeah you just have to like make more <laughs> you, know what I mean? like, you gotta dilute. cut it down <laughs> you gotta as they would say and you know this is a great teaching moment okay jerome knows i'm all about teaching moments we go from the chateau to the streets in here sometimes we we connect uh wine ideas to street ideas or vice versa and when you gotta cut something down um have you seen american me before well there was this scene when they sent uh, they, a load of heroin through, uncut, unstepped on. So when heroin comes straight from overseas, we probably might have to cut some of this out. <laughs> <laughs> but when heroin comes in, you know, it can be 100% pure. It can be 70% pure, 80% pure. And they put some stuff in it to, to cut it down. So they refer to that as stepped on. <laughs> when, when you step on the dope, that means you're diluting it. So, you know, in this case... Uh, if you put too much salt, you're going to have to step on it yeah. a bit. <laughs> you can't send it through 100% pure. You got to cut that down. Exactly. Um, so everything is the same when you really look at it. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all recipes. It's Everything is the same. Right, like the concentrate in the basement. I was actually you know, thinking that. Yeah. Same, same thing. So we just found a way... <laughs> We just found a way to adapt a recipe uh, in, a, in a different way, you know, right. different type of chef's head, you know. So you may not have these ingredients, so you're going to have to step on it. Exactly, um, exactly. You can use that in the next uh, recipe. <laughs> Feel free, you know, let them know. Don't actually step on it, and then you can break down just, just the same way I did. Oh, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> done. Oh. <laughs> uh, but no, this is this is I, I do think that you guys took a really interesting approach because so many people say that print media is dying. But to me, 
and again, I, I just, it just, it's like a certain level of confidence, like to come so strong, like, yes, we were a online only publication and we're going to jump over, do this. And we're putting this beautiful book out. It's not just going to be like glossy paper. It's just like cool matte look. Um, <laughs> now, where do you see, uh, like print media going? Like, why was that? Uh, an angle that you felt like Vampire was in a specific um, way to, to utilize? It's a great question. I wish I knew exactly what was going to happen to media um, for <laughs> traditional <laughs> video or otherwise. Um, you know, I think it's it's kind of important to just, the, there's a great like corporate speak buzzword of nimble. Like I think it's important to just stay nimble, like to keep trying new things. I think that where print runs into trouble is when it, it stops evolving. Um, I think that's when most businesses, quite honestly, run Definitely, into trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so I think, you know, the, the future, I wish I could say that the future will be print or will not be. I think there'll always kind of be a market for both. Um, Absolutely. You know, like I look at the ways that like as streaming and downloading music became really, really popular, there was also a bunch of folks who got really into vinyl. Right? Like, there's yeah. always an audience yeah. for both. And I'm not saying that, like, vinyl sales are remotely comparable to what CDs were in their heyday. Of course not. But, like, there, there is always this balance of a need for as much as everything is this sort of digital, ephemeral, like, intangible. There is also, like, a love affair with something you can, like, see and hold. Um, Definitely. Like, permanently. You want to save them. And that's the thing. That That's, again, why I, I like the book. Because you want to have it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> It is. You. Like you want to have it, you want to touch it, you want to see it. Um, feels good being in your house, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, know? it's so funny. One of the things we were talking about was we were like, remember how you would feel really cool reading a certain book or magazine on the subway, and you'd be like, I want everyone to see how cool I am mm -hmm. right now. Yep. Right? That doesn't exactly. exist in the age of like Kindles and e-readers, <laughs> but it like used to exist. Um, right. And like I, you know, I I started out in books, and I remember how you'd get this like rush when you would see people on the train reading a book you'd worked on. Like it felt so exciting. Oh, yeah. um, and so I think for that reason, like. It, there is this desire to create something that you do want to hang on to. I hope people do want to hang on to this um, because, and if they don't, you know what, like go to your local recycling center and we'll all call it a day. Um, but, you know, I, I think that's that's an exciting aspect. As I said, I, I kind of think there's always room for both. I don't know that one will ever completely eclipse the other. I agree. I mean, um, nah, even just thinking about it, like remember back in the days, the book fair, you know when the book fair is coming, you get that little sheet and you could Gosh, check yeah. off what you want. And you get hyped when that happened. Or also when it was Christmas time mm -hmm. and then Toys R Us put the big toy book in the newspaper. You did you had like that big toy book in like April. You were still around <laughs> you were still just like you didn't even have the toys. You just looking at them and shit, just like, all right, yeah, that's a cool ass toy. You right? just had it, but yeah, yes, you're like right. The there Instagram is, of childhood, totally. There is something about it. I'm just saying, like, look, if you got a big toy book, I might have a big toy book in the crib still. I, just, I might. I, in the I, archives. Now that no, 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 I'm thinking about it, you just don't want to throw it away. Yeah. You know, you don't want to throw it away. I like, forgot I, about that. Yes, it was so meaningful. You got excited when it happened. You like, yes, Christmas is happening. Yes. It's like November-ish. <laughs> You know, a little, yeah, yes, yeah. I was very, very enthusiastic about the big toy book. Gosh, yeah. I totally <laughs> forgot. It was such an important, like, milestone, you know? I think about it now, and, like, I've forgotten that we, we don't get magazines in the same way, you know? We don't get toy books anymore. Well, I don't get toy books anymore. <laughs> um, you know, who's even subscribing to newspapers? Right? It's like, it was so meaningful, though. Exactly, yeah, know? like, newspapers are jumping out the window doing, like, Silly stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. just like trying to get people to read it. Right, um, right, yeah. You know, exactly. that, that's that's really interesting. Now, Vine Pair also is interesting because it's not wine specific, it's not cocktail specific. Like you talk about wine, food, also um, uh, spirits. Mm -hmm. So, which do you have a favorite? Do you have one that you kind of like lean towards? I mean, my like entry 
to beverage was beer. I worked at a Belgian beer garden when I first moved to New York, and I was like a broke, um, you know, publishing assistant. <laughs> <laughs> I used to joke that like every month they took $20 out of my bank account for my health insurance. Because <laughs> um, that's like the level of my salary. And so I, I bartended for years. And so I think Belgian beers were for me this kind of entrance to sophisticated drinking. You know, I'd, I'd been a over 21 younger person who had <laughs> drunk perhaps in a less sophisticated way. You know, once I turned 21. Um, no, I, uh, I had drunk prior to, to bartending, but um, I hadn't really, like, appreciated beverage as its own culinary category, I guess. Right. Um, and so that, for me, was very much my, my entry point. Um, but I am, the reason we cover all, like, you know, wine, beer, and spirits, and the reason I like I like doing that is, I don't know too many folks who just drink one anymore. I think like our parents' generation, that was really like, you not only only drank one thing, you also had like a label. Like right. you were a Miller Lite guy or like a Doers on the Rocks gal and like that was it. Um, and I just don't know too many folks who don't drink across categories anymore. I think there's like a generational shift that's happened. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I like them all. I like all my children equally. I like them all um, very much now. No Sophie's Choice yeah. situation <laughs> yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> if you exactly. don't pick one. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a great question. What would you would you pick wine if you mm. could only drink one thing, like one ad- alcoholic category? Let's see. Um, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Damn. That is growth for you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I mean, listen, at a certain point, Ciroc was on the grocery list. Yeah. <laughs> Most definitely. Like eggs, milk, Ciroc. Ciroc, yeah. Give me the big, let me get the $64 joint. $70 joint. Yeah, that, that's that's how, yep, right at the top of the shelf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or it's even when he know me, like, yep, to, yeah, let yeah, me get one. Yeah. <laughs> when you at a, when you just counting, you just letting them know how much you want and not the actual product, that's where I was at with, um, with spirits, but you know, the more I fell in love with wine, and that also that happened like later in my career, like I fell in love with wine. I was really a wine business guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, I didn't get it right away. I didn't get it until I was like twenty eight, mm-hmm. you know. And and then it was just appreciating the way it paired with food, the fact that it would taste completely different when you're eating it with food, you know. Um, so no, that was that was the the turning point for me. I gotta say. Um, but we have a very interesting pick here. I was, I want to tell, like, honestly, I, I read the pick like four times and I'm like, all right, maybe I got the song wrong or something. (laughs) I had to double check because this is such a deep cut. Like, this is such a deep album cut. This is such a deep, most deaf cut. Again, Jerome is the guy that I argue, uh, I mean, what this is years before podcast before anything like that i would talk to jerome maybe like we grew up down the street from each other so we saw each other a lot but then you know we grow up you move apart i talked to jerome maybe like twice a year two to three times a year but that conversation would last two to three hours and we'd be <laughs> arguing about music and it would just be like all right good and it wasn't no like you know oh i don't have him like nope none of that we just go call every once in a while i have that music argument I <laughs> go on with your day. <laughs> Hit me when you need to, bro. I'm here. <laughs> so Jerome didn't even know this song. So um, I'm very, very curious to hear uh, what that was about. We're going to take a, a small break. Um, I, I paired this with some Ayala champagne. This, I mean, it's this was a very, very simple pairing. You know, uh, female chef de cave. She's the OG. She's the boss. We got the queen of vine pair in the building. It just felt right. It just needed to happen. So we're going to pause. We're going to play the music for a second. And we are going to get back into this. Peace. Mad liberator. Deaf operator. Rock the data. Amazing flavor. Yo, the way I feel. Sometimes it's too hard to sit still. Things are so passionate. Times are so real. Sometimes I try to chill, mellow down, blow a smoke. All right, y'all, we are back. Uh, (laughs) We just got into some hip-hop. We were playing a couple joints. Um, uh, So I paired this uh, with some Ayala champagne. Just kept it really easy, bright, depth, some soul to it. Uh, It is um, made by a female chef de cave. 
um, which is not very common. Um, so shout to them. Shout to Bo- this is in the Bollinger wine family. I really love this champagne. Um, it's a staple in the Stone household. So thought this would be great to come and share with an amazing song. We were talking about auditorium. That is, you know, on the um, on that most deaf album. What is it? The ecstatic? Is it the ecstatic? ecstatic? Yeah, and it just had this crazy cover. It was like um, that was his third album, and it's very weird because you can't find the album anywhere right now. You can't buy it, and this is this is recent too. Like I don't understand. Like this is it was definitely in playlists last year. But over the past few days, I've been listening to it a lot, and it's not on anything. You can't even purchase it, which is weird. I understand not being able to stream it, but you can't buy this song anymore. It's really, I don't, I'd be interested to ask Most Deaf why. I, there's a story behind that. Yeah. Good for thing sure. we got a journalist here. <laughs> <laughs> if only we knew what a journalist <laughs> You know, there is a story there somewhere, Most Deaf or Yasin Bey, just clouded with mystery these days. But um, the album was dope, and, you know, Most Def is a very all-over-the-place artist. He's singing on some stuff. And he was one of, really one of the first guys to start doing that. But um, that was when his career started going in a bunch of different directions. And I love rap. I love bars. I love, you know, when guys are just really focused on the craft. And that was one of the main songs that he did that on there. And it had one of my favorite artists this guy's in my top five, Mr. Slick Rick the Ruler, also Bronx-born. Shout to Slick mm. Rick. Yep. But um, Slick Rick is, I'd say, the greatest storyteller of all time. It's quite interesting that we have another storyteller <laughs> in the building. <laughs> I love these super flattering comparisons. No, listen. you Look, you know, you throw some gold chains and an eye patch on. And <laughs> Done. <laughs> we got Emily Saladino, the ruler. <laughs> Finally, finally. <laughs> People get it. Somebody gets Somebody me. Gets it, yeah. <laughs> but I thought that was, you know, so I, I was very, very happy when I saw that you picked that song. What made what made you pick that? Well, I love it as a pairing for this particular um, wine as well. Um, because what made me pick it is I what I really dig about that song, and it's kind of it's it's applicable to a lot of um, to the way I, I try to approach a lot of things. Is it it works on multiple levels, right? Mm. You can hear it; it's got this kind of like slinky instrumental, and you can kind of just kind of like listen to it, and it's after dinner, and you're like pouring it tomorrow and having yeah. a conversation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Or you can kind of go into it, and it's got. Like the the lyrics in it are bananas. Like Insane. it's yeah, it's it's on, yeah. it works on a lot of levels. Um, you can listen to it, and I'm trying to like, "Mad Liberator" is such an incredible yeah. turn of phrase, <laughs> right? Like "Mad Libs" and "Mad," like, it's so yeah. nuts. Um, and so like that's what I think I've I've always really loved about that song is you can hear it as just kind of like a song that you enjoy, or you can hear it and it's the most thought provoking thing in the world. And for me, that's important. Is like that like approachable and cerebral are not mutually exclusive. That you can, I, I've always hated that dichotomy of like intellectualism is the opposite of like being of the people. Like I think both can be true. Mm. Um, and that's kind of what that song represents for me. And actually I, I love this wine pairing because I think it is approachable in the sense that like you could drink this and it's your first ever glass of sparkling wine and you're like, oh, this is delicious champagne. Um, but you also can sit there and kind of think of it. Like, there's also a, a exactly. contemplative quality to yeah, it. Yeah, if you want it, there's some complexity there, if that's what you're looking for. Exactly. I yeah. love it. Yeah, and, you know, I always try to go with, um, <clears throat> you know, where do I want to be drinking this? And it's just, it's it's bright, but it has so much context there. It's, like, deep at the same time. Um totally. I was listening to this song earlier with my son, and you know we he puts me on to uh, to like all the new guys, and I'm constantly educating him about you know old school. Well, not I guess it is fucking old school music at this point. <laughs> Jesus, I guess I, whatever older. <laughs> we'll explore that. I, I put him on to mature music, and um, you know we were joking about starting our own podcast because we yes. do this back and forth. But like, what at an interesting place. In society where kids and their parents are listening to the same music, you know, like mm. you like 
when you were growing up, you, you'd like one or two songs from your parents, or your parents would like make that joke and say a lyric from a song that they know you're into. But now, we legit love the same people. My son loves Jay-Z as much as I do. You know, it's not the same for every artist, but it's that way for a lot of artists. And, you know, it's created this space that's never been there where we were able to understand each other a little bit better because music kind of dissects culture and how we really feel, what we're really thinking. So I can listen to a, get an idea of like my son's perspective. Um, maybe not my son, but my older nephew, <laughs> you know? But like all these, like who does he like? Lil Tecca. I got black, I got white, what you want? Hop outside of ghost and hop up in a fan on. I know I'm about to blow, oh, oh, I ain't dumb. They try to take my floor, I take their ass for ransom. I know that I'm gone. They see me blowing up, now they say they want some. I got two twin blocks, turn you to a dancer. I see two twin eyes, leave them on a band. And I got two thick thighs, wanna link the game. I got mm-hmm. Lil Tecca's like 16 or something. I think that kid's awesome. Right, you know, I, right. I, I really like music. So he's turned my opinion on some stuff. So we were playing this. And, um, you know, most Def goes first and then Slick Rick goes second. And um, after most verse, I was like, what do you think about that? He was like, eh, it's okay. And, like, this thing these kids say nowadays, oh, it's too much rapping. He doesn't say that because mm-hmm. he was raised by a father that knows <laughs> rap. And, like, I will hit my kid, but if I'm going to hit him, <laughs> it's going to be for a good reason. Don't ever say too much rapping in this house. It's rap music. You can't have too much rapping on a rap song. Raised but, right. <laughs> you got to right raise him right, saying. you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but, you know, he gets what I mean when I'm like, what, too much rap? And he's like, uh, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And then Slick Rick's verse comes on. And his approach to the beat is so different. Mm-hmm. It's just calm, cool. But then the subject matter is so effing left field. Come relax, riddle of the Mac, it's the patch. I'm a soldier in the middle of Iraq. Uh-huh. But say about noonish, coming out the whip and looking at me curious, a young Iraqi kid. Carrying laundry, what's wrong, G? Hungry? No, give me my oil, get out my country. And in Arabian, barking other stuff till his moms come grab him and they walk off in a rush. Distrust, feeling like I was pissed upon wound. I'm like, surely hope that we can fix our differences soon. Long story short, um, listen to the song, it's great. Slick Rick's the man for that. But most Def also love um, most too. Um, we had Thomas Pastyshack on the show recently, and uh, most was Thomas's uh, rap spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, apparently, most Def, bro, you the wine community needs to see you, brother. You gotta, I don't know where you are, but people like you, man. Come, come through. Yeah, yeah. He, um, he is hands down the coolest celebrity I've ever met in my entire life. Really? Hands down. He um he went to Julia Richmond uh in in the city here during the time when my brother went to Julia Richmond. So most most is a good guy. Great great choice. Great choice. Oh, you. Do you have any other most favorites? Like what other joints? Ah, uh, that's such out? a good question. Um, I like Black on Both Sides. I actually like that as like a start to finish record a Definitely. lot. Um, I think the like. The New World Water song. New World Water make the tide rise high. Come in land and make your house go by. Fools done upset the old man river. Made him carry slave ships and fed him dead niggas. Now his belly full and he about to flood something. So I'm throwing rope that ain't tied to nothing. Tell your crew who's the H2 and wise and mouse. This the New World Water and every drop counts. Rock and roll, actually. I think there's like elements of rock and roll in the Slick Rick verse. Yes. It, you know, where it's kind of like the way that, um, that hip hop can the double-edged sword of commercial success, I guess, Um, (laughs) to oversimplify. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think I actually really like that whole album. I think that's a good album. Hands down. Like, I mean, he doesn't get enough credit for that album. Yeah, I feel like people don't really talk about it anymore. Yeah, yeah. There was like a time period (laughs) when it was like in discourse. (laughs) Exactly. Like, people don't talk about Mos Def as much as they should, I think. Um, He's... He's a talented guy to act in, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Very dope. Um, who would you list as, like, say, your top five? Oh, my gosh. I was so worried you were going to ask this question. It's okay. And I get so – it's like I think if I <laughs> name it, those really are the only top – those are the only Not, five I'll ever be Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, I assume that everything I say in here is, like, legal ramifications. No. Um, <laughs> but, this is um, documented. Yeah. There is no changing this. Exactly. <laughs> no, like – Honestly, um, Spot's uh, 
three and no spots four and five change a lot in my yeah, five. So yeah. don't worry. This, okay. this could be different. So records or artists or let's go with records. Records, okay. Yeah, let's go with records. Um, let's see. I think I think Super Duper Fly, I think, yeah. Yes, um, it's a great one. Can I do all hip-hop in addition to rap or just rap? You can do okay. everything. Okay, we can Absolutely. Make... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> um, because I actually, I kind of want to put um, the second Erica Badu album, Mama's Gun, I like mm. love. I know it's like not anyone's favorite, but it's my favorite Erica Badu record. It's everybody's favorite. Is it? Let me tell good. you something. You are going to have some people in Brooklyn snapping their fingers right now, <laughs> like... Like they had a poetry club. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, what's that place in, uh, in Fort Greene? Um, yeah. You know what I'm talking about? You know exactly where they're going to be, too. Yep. Uh, yeah, all right. Okay, we're on the same page yeah, then. Got yeah, it. Nelson George is there. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think, yeah, I don't know if, I, like, I think of Erica Badu as like a hip hop artist, but, um, and actually, she can rap. I don't she think she's a rapper. Yo, but. remember that, that, um, there was that, uh, that like challenge that they had on social media. Erica Badu had the best version. But yeah, Erica Badu can rap. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. And she has children by like, like you could round out like top five <laughs> in Erica Badu's baby daddy. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> you got true. Andre 3000, J Electronica. Look, she just needs two more, man. Right. And she can round out a top five. Yeah. But also like, it's all it's all good too. Like nobody looks at her as like extra promiscuous or nothing like that. Mm -hmm. Like those guys are lucky to have exactly experienced yeah. Eric. <laughs> like Erica Badu gets guys and she like turns them out. Like exactly. Like she changed Common's career for like four years. Right? He was like a vegan. Suddenly. Yep. Yeah. He's a vegan and shit. You know, Andre three thousand was a lot different pre Badu. Right. Yeah. Jay Electronica is the only one who stood his ground. <laughs> <laughs> but he also never put an album out. So she, there's clearly something happening there. Yeah. There's something happening there. We got to figure that out. Yeah. considered a rarefied era. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You yeah. breathe that shit. Exactly. You're a different Changes human. your life. <laughs> Gosh, sign me up. Um, <laughs> All right. So All right, you so win it so far. Um, I think, I mean, this is a bit of an obvious choice but the blueprint oh, um you know down. yeah um it's the blueprint it is in fact the blueprint <laughs> yeah it is it is jay-z is touched was i talking with you about this or well, yeah definitely hope is the blueprint yeah definitely yeah. i'm loving these choices by the way so far you are batting a thousand <laughs> so much pressure uh, <laughs> no it's funny i actually i was thinking a lot about what you i'm not just buying time i actually will get back to it yeah, but, no, um, but no i um i was thinking about what you said about how like now is a moment in like you know human history when parents and children are listening to the same artist do you think it's hip-hop like is that hip-hop you know like i was thinking about it I was like the prior to like the mainstreaming of hip-hop there would be you know maybe your parents listened to like what i now call classic rock what yeah. then was called rock and roll yeah, <laughs> right. or like r&b old what i call old school mm -hmm. r&b and what then was right, just called right. rhythm and blues you know like <laughs> I wonder if that's like the hip hop revolution, right? Like pop music has always been kind of divisive by generations, Definitely. you know. Like no one's people were very upset about their like their kids listening to Elvis and the Beatles, right? And so it's interesting. Like, is it is that hip hop's like effect that it's like this unifying multi generational? Yeah, thing? I mean, I, I I do think that. I mean, overall, I think that hip hop blends cultures. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, when you think about the impact that, like, I've heard people say that. Um, hip-hop has done the most for the civil rights movement than mm -hmm. anything else because of how many cultures it brought together. But it really helped you. It gave a marginalized community a voice mm -hmm. on a bullhorn. Mm -hmm. You know, it made people listen. It made people look. Yeah. And, um, you know, once 
people got past the fact that these guys were saying these things. Like, it wasn't them just trying to give you an instruction on how to be a bad person. Right. It was right. just me talking about my life. Um, that is where I think hip-hop is different. But across generations, it's just, like, hip-hop's 43 years old. You know, it's it's the, it's the big brother. And... Um, like, we all wanted that, like, cool, older person to kind of model ourselves around. Not too old so that they don't understand us, but young enough to uh, to get our shit. I think that that's what hip-hop is. And, like, now it being, like, hip-hop is pop music at totally, this point. Yeah, you know, yeah. by definition. Yeah. So the fact that um that I can appreciate a little Uzi Vert song is, I think it says a lot. But I don't know if everyone's open to that. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. But what do you think? I mean, it depends, right? Like, I think it's kind of like what we were saying with, um, like, generationally the shift with beverage, right? Where there were people who once upon a time were, it's not even just I drink scotch, I drink doers. Um, So it depends on whether or not you have, like, a a fluid relationship to music. Like, are you someone who just – I remember when I was growing up, the, like – sort of punk rock radio station. I'm totally dating myself by being like, radio stations were important. Yeah, right? um, but no, like, you know, I remember when I was growing what up. What playlist is that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, when I'm like, that album, people are like, album? Um, no, yeah, the, um, you know, like the punk rock radio station would be like, we play this, that, and the other, and no rap. And I thought that was so compelling, where I was like, you feel the need, you're not playing a lot of types of music, mm-hmm. but you feel the need to like, create yourself as like, in opposition to yep. rap music. And so I think there's always this culture of of folks who I honestly just think felt left out um, Mm -hmm. or perhaps like somehow antagonized by something that had nothing to do with them. You know, like people (laughs) felt like defensive. That never happens nowadays. (laughs) That was a different time. Different time. Nowadays, yeah. Stuff like that doesn't happen anymore. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I think that sometimes when it depends on like the, the listener and if that person has this kind of open fluidity to the way that they in, like encounter art or if they feel defensive and nervous by something they don't they don't necessarily understand you know anything but rap like I thought I don't know I still think about that that was probably like 25 <laughs> years ago and like I still remember thinking like how like they felt the need to call that out that right is so funny wow yeah. I mean I really think that I don't know rap is one like it's the only form of music that people you know, look at as some, no one feels like you're getting instructions from, mm-hmm. you know, uh, name a nut, like a reggae song. People ain't looking at it like, okay, this reggae song told me to do this. Right. Folk like, music has instructed never, me how, how to live my life. Never <laughs> happened. You know, country music, none of it. Hip hop is the only form of music that's like that. But I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not sure why that is. Like, what do you think, Jerome? What do you, what do you think about this? Um, I think it, it comes from it comes from when you were saying marginalized people, but two, it's a time where we're able to see people kind of grow up together, right? Um, parents and kids can actually have the same thing because someone like Jay Z still exists. He's mm. fifty in rap. You know, the older guys and the newer guys are all in one space together. So with that, it gives you this broad spectrum of music well your dad could be listening to old jay-z you could be listening to lil tecca but it's still consistently same and lil tecca knows who jay-z is and Mm -hmm. vice versa you know so i think that's where the space is right now it's one of those it's the music of this generation that you can kind of branch together being 43 years old it's like the oldest person in it is like slick Rick or like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that guy's only like sixty right. technically, you know. <laughs> so it's still very young in the sense of music, and I think the fact that they're all kind of together, and the audience there's an audience for old Jay Z stuff, and there's an audience for new Lil Tecca stuff. I think that's why you have this cross melding, and also there's the direction in it. Lil Tecca's teaching your son how to operate and Jay-Z's still teaching you because he's older now how to operate you know like back when you were x age I don't know 21 that same little you know people who are arguing can't tell who is who you probably would have never caught that because it didn't resonate with your life but now you're much older it can resonate so I think that's the biggest difference in it and it comes from like this marginalized place and I think one thing that gets hip-hop is that everyone feels marginalized in some way, shape, or form, right? Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's not a financial thing, maybe you go to school and you're the outsider, and 
hip hop caught you, you know, and you're like, this is my stuff. This is something I can gravitate toward. And I think that's the thing about it. Like most stuff gravitates to certain people because he was mar- he's talking about a marginalized thing for certain people and Jay-Z talks about it. so I think right. that's the thing that captures everybody like, there's like pain and suffering for everyone in hip hop <laughs> <laughs> there's plenty to go around <laughs> yeah, exactly like parents can get it kids can get it there's like always that so that's why I believe like there's that's why it has this resonation where kids and parents can listen to it together because I look at my own kids and I'm like I'm playing you know, they're like, Daddy, put on Cardi B. And I'm like, okay. And then and I'm playing something else. It's like kind of interesting. So, and I'm teaching them this because of the music I grew up with, but they see me enjoy it as much as they do. It's not like your mom like playing it begrudgingly. It's like, oh, new Cardi, that's what you want to hear? My five-year-old? Great. <laughs> you know, I'm jamming to it as much as you are. So I think that's the difference. So, I, I, I can't, like you said, it's not really a definitive answer, but I think that's the reason why it has so much like suffering across the board that everyone can kind of, you know, Jay-Z now is a parent. He's, yeah. he's a husband. He's, you know, he's a businessman. In your life now, you have those things where you can now relate to that. Granted, Lil Tech is saying something that you're like, it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not talking to me. Like, I <laughs> hate TikTok, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fellow kids. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like Instagram filter. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? It's, it's that marginalized thing for them now. And right, I think right. that's why it helps, you know. I think at some, some points, music, especially like rock, it got too pretentious it like yeah it's yeah. not hip-hop like excluding like you know it got to a point where it's like ex- like we're pushing you away and i think hip-hop has this inclusivity inclusivity yeah to it that's the difference i think that it always has that level to it and yeah. i think that's why you have your parents and kids together yeah, yeah. look at us figuring shit out <laughs> What else are we solving today, guys? Wait, what other major (laughs) issues can we address? (laughs) Can we get into world peace a little bit? (laughs) No, no. Middle Eastern politics. Next, next, (laughs) next show. Next show. I mean, look, Slick Rick was um, a soldier in the middle of Iraq, telling people like, "Look, the 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 people said, give me my oil and get the fuck out of my country." That was a bar from this song. So we're kind of on message here. all the way through politics, you're still looking forward, man. Futurist. <laughs> yeah. He is a futurist. futurist he yeah. is a futurist. Okay, so we were at, what, well, we got like four albums in? Yeah, so I think I'm going ni- to. That was a nice little. I know. We have uh, Missy Elliott. We have Erica Baidu. I forgot the name of the album. We have Jason. Oh, Mama's, Mama's Gun. Gun. Okay. And then, yeah, The Blueprint. I actually. Mama's think... Gun was special, too, by the record. way. I yes. love that record so much. Um, yeah, it's like start to finish so like thoughtful. I actually mentioned it earlier, but I I really love that the like last Aaliyah record. I like mm. love that album. It makes me very sad, you know, for for biographical reasons. Um, but I actually just think it's a really like it it showed a real evolution of an artist. I think that about Jay Z all the time. Like this is someone who has evolved so much um, as like an entity, like yeah. as a business, <laughs> um, and also just like as an artist. Um, and so I don't know, for me, that that also is, I think, an autobiographical record. Like, I, you know, you hear certain albums at certain points in your life and like you listen to them all the time. Again, I'm going to date myself, but like having a CD in my car that I like never changed for so long. Yeah, like that's uh, just, you don't even look at that as an option. Yeah, Number five yeah. stays. <laughs> I only have four <laughs> slots, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like number five is a fixed yep, album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Been there. I, I know exactly where. You're at. Was let me know on that album? Mm-hmm. No, no, nah, that no. was the first one. Yeah. That's my favorite Leah song. I love that song it's as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, the Isley Brothers. Yeah, Isley Brothers that's, can't do any more. Song. Like, oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Y'all did that at the wedding, or? no? Just like the, between the, the two of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Like if we were on a game show, like that's the. Oh like, yeah. Your song, like, we know. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's one of those songs that's in the background on a on a sensitive phone call. Yeah. That's one of those songs. That's definite. That's like a song you sent to some like yeah I was thinking about you and you yeah. send them that song. You made a mixtape with that on it. Yes. Be honest. Um, no, she introduced me. To it. <gasps> Even better. Yeah, that's why it stuck to me because I was like. I'm not an R&B guy. I'm, as of lately, being older, it's like, oh, I can appreciate this R&B. <laughs> but I was never really into it. And then she put me onto it, and I was like, oh, this is amazing. And that's why I found out it was like an Isley Brothers record that she just resung. And I was like, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. 
Yo, I ain't listened to R and B until T Pain. <laughs> <laughs> just being honest here, guys. <laughs> just being honest. I couldn't get it. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. get it. I, they weren't speaking to me. You yeah. know, I was I listened to a lot of Snoop Dogg. Yeah. You know, so my whole my mind was in a different place. Totally. T Pain. And then um Usher Burn. That was like Oh my god. That was yeah. the first legit like, okay, this is yeah. This is a soulful record, man. Like, that record? Uh, everybody's been through that burn situation. Yeah, totally. <laughs> we'll be at the table talking about songs, like, quoting shit. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has been through that. I love Everyone, that. Yeah, know. that's that, like, not, there's plenty of pain to go around <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Misery really does love company, yeah. doesn't it? It makes millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah very true. Damn, well, I feel like um, you put us on to some stuff here. Oh. That's yeah, so nice. I feel like you definitely put us on some stuff. We got a toast on our way out here. And um, I think we should just toast to the Vine Pair print ad. And you know what? We should toast to our article. That was awesome. Yeah, and you did, first of all, you did such an amazing job writing that. Like, I was reading it. I'm like, okay, wait. I am definitely not this smart or articulate. <laughs> she putting some, you know, she put some sauce on it. I, she had to put some seasoning on there somewhere. It was, it was such a good article. I was, I was blown away, and I think a lot of people were as well. Thank you. That's really so, nice. I disagree. I think I told you this actually. It's, it's funny when I, I do my own transcription because I like, I, anytime I send it away, I'm like. Is that really what happened? Um, yeah, so I, like, I was transcribing it, and at one point I actually say to you, I'm like, have you given a lot of interviews on this subject before? These are like poll quotes. Like, you're speaking to me, and you know that expert, like a poll quote is like what the, when you publish a newspaper, like what gets bolded. Um, and yeah, and I, I, like, I actually thought it was a really interesting thing um, because it is a really, like, there's just a lot of material there to mine, and I thought it was like a really cool story. So thank you for... Being open to being interviewed. No, I'm, I was very happy to do it, and it's it's been included in a syllabus. Yes, at um, Tulsa University. Can what we talk the about hell, that? man? <laughs> I mean, damn! Like required reading. I know, I know. Isn't that wild? Um, first of all, I was like, how cool to be going to school in this era. Like Seriously. I remember having to read like a lot of Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no offense like, to the yeah, bar. Read this <laughs> article about wine and hip hop. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like a food media studies program wow. in Tulsa. So how yeah. does that? How does that work? Like, have you? Do you know anything about the class or the, the professor? That so this woman, her name is also Emily. Um, she's like the, I think she's, I don't know if she's like heading up the department or um, creating like programming for it. But um, she put out a call to stories that were about like food and culture. Um, and then wrote me a note saying like, I'd, I'd love to include this story. I was very flattered um and it's really cool because um like we were saying you know there's there's so many stories to me in like food and beverage and culture that like don't always get told I don't know I feel like I've read about like I've read certain stories (laughs) I've read about like the donut revolution a million times like people are making expensive donuts like I think we've like covered it Um, there's nothing about pizza out there there's not enough about yeah zero things about like whether or not New York really does have the best pizza and bagels yeah like you know I just I think there are certain stories that get told over and over again and so it's it's really interesting to me especially in wine where I do think there's a lot like there's just it's like a rich playground editorially there's so much you can look at in like agriculture and politics um, and in marketing like I yeah. think there's just a lot to be explored there um, so yeah I was super flattered by that like that how was, exciting that was I didn't even know how to interpret that I'm like what like hold on let, yeah. let me read alright is this like some like online university like I had to yeah, like exactly. really <laughs> dig into this I'm like holy shit this is this is wild that, that was very cool um you know i'm you know you'll get the pulitzer at some point for this i'm sure <laughs> like you know just just pull me up just just shout me out you know just just give me a nod and uh but i think this article is going places Thank i do you. it's Gosh. definitely going places <laughs> but Thank you for coming on this show. This was amazing. I had so much fun. Um, do you want to give any shout-outs? Say what's up to anybody. 
Um, I guess thank you to Vine Pair for giving me the opportunity to write these stories. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, no, and thank you to you. It's, it's really great to come on. Thank you, thank you. And now where does everyone find you other than the Vine Pair website? But. Oh, um, I, like email is just emily at vinepair.com. It's straightforward. Um, if you want to yell at me on Twitter, you can join the folks there. <laughs> There's plenty to go around. <laughs> Twitter is a fun place. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot yeah. going on there. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's a good place to like feel bad about yourself for a couple hours. Oh, um. You leave Twitter <laughs> angry. Oh my gosh, it's just I I really try very hard to not post anything negative or like try to you know give an opinion on some negative shit that's happening because you know how this algorithm just keeps us in the negative. Completely. But damn, yeah, it's fun, but it's like not fun at the same time agree yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah I'm, I'm emily saladino at twitter my full name um there's another emily saladino out there mine's just my name <laughs> she's the <laughs> real emily saladino <laughs> exactly yeah. but yeah yeah and so yeah I'm, i i joke but i'm open to all twitter conversation please be nice um. <laughs> boy well thank you for coming on we're honored to have the queen of vampire here guys we're gonna toast it up Thank you for joining us. It's another episode. Peace. This concludes another moment in wine and hip hop. Presented to you by Jermaine Stone, a.k.a. the Wolf of Wine.